just as big as God is. Prayer is just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach. Don't ever give up. Just pray, just pray. Don't ever give up. Just means to the throne of the God whose potential is yet to be known. There is no limit as to what God can do. So just keep on praying. He's listening to you. And prayer is just as big as God is. Prayer is just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach. Don't ever give up. Just pray, just pray. Don't ever give up. Just pray. Just as big as God is. Prayer is just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach. Don't ever give up. Just pray, just pray. Don't ever give up. Just pray. And that's an appropriate song, seeing we just came off of 60 hours of straight prayer. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Man, that was, that was some great stuff this last weekend, wasn't it? Man, we kicked it off on Wednesday at midnight and went right on through till yesterday at noon and 60 straight hours, folks up here at the church praying, and man, that was an awesome blessing. It was so wonderful. Matter of fact, it's kind of inspired my message today. I had uh, had a message I was going to preach, but I just kind of, man, just the, the thought of God's people and how faithful they were in this process really encouraged me. And um, again, as I noted, scores, I mean scores of people, scores of brothers and sisters in Christ making their way to the house of God to come together to pray. Uh, man, I mean, it just encouraged me, I tell you. No break, no break at all, by the way. As one group was coming in, the other was finishing up, so they would be seated and prepared and ready to go, and the moment this one was stopping, this one was already starting up, and it was just a constant 60 straight hours of prayer. I don't know how many people, different people came. I haven't really taken the time to try to, uh, I guess, um, to, to, to somehow interpret the hieroglyphics of the uh, sign-in sheet, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I, I probably, I mean, there was probably 100 people at least, I'd imagine, I mean, I would say close to, if not, that came in and out over those 60 hours praying, and uh, it was just awesome. I mean, 24-7, and it was such a blessing, and uh, not a moment without prayer being lifted up to the throne, and that was great. Every hour, every single hour, faithful folks 
praying and gathering themselves together to lift their voices to heaven, bragging on God, bragging on just the work and trusting God to work in our campaign, our youth rally, and our family conference coming up this coming month. And again, I was inspired. I was inspired by a couple things. Number one, I was inspired by your love for the Lord. I really was. Uh, I mean, it, I just was. I was inspired by your passion for the work. And I was inspired by your compassion for the lost. Man, I'll tell you what, that encouraged your preacher this week. I'll tell you that right now. And uh, even as I was encouraged and inspired by your good works, I want to encourage you to show that love, passion, and compassion to others now in the world. Man, I tell you, that was awesome. And if it can encourage me and inspire me, I'm sure it's going to inspire others. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 because we're going to talk a little bit about our light today. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Let's look there in verse 1. We're going to see here uh, in this particular passage that we're talking about Jesus is sharing what's called the Beatitudes. I have no idea why it's called the Beatitudes. I'm sure if I looked up the word Beatitude, I'd understand, but you know them as the blessed art the. You know, blessed art the and blessed art the. Those are the Beatitudes, okay? So let's go ahead and look at those here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and let's um, just read through verse 12 to start with. The Bible says, In seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Again, we have these beatitudes. And the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking and he has shared these truths with the people that are now listening. But he doesn't stop there. He continues. And it's that next few verses that I want to focus our attention on. Notice he goes on to say, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And ye, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to really focus on that last verse that we read there, verse 16 now. Again, he goes through those Beatitudes. He's talking now to this, this congregation that's assembled. And as he's continuing with that, he begins to talk to them about the fact that they are the salt of the earth and that they're the light of the world. And he says, 
so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Father, we come to you. We ask you to speak to our hearts in these next few minutes. May we be encouraged, Father, to let our light shine. Help us, Lord. Because, Lord, today you've given us a wonderful opportunity to change the world. Help us to do that. Well, thank you in Christ's name, amen. I've entitled my message, How to Change the World. How to Change the World. I mean, we think about changing the world, we think, man, that's a pretty major task. That's a pretty big job. And you know, it is a big job, isn't it? Changing the world. There's a lot of things that need changed in the world, don't there? Isn't there? There's a lot of things, right? Man, if I gave you a three-by-five card today and I said, just list ten things that need to be changed in the world, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have any trouble coming up with ten. I'd give you an eight-and-a-half-by-eleven sheet of paper and say, I tell you what, write down 25 things that need changed in the world. I don't think it'd take too long before you could write 25 out. I think the general consensus today would be this, that the world does definitely need some change. Absolutely needs some change. Now, during COVID, they didn't want change. You'd go to the drive-thrus, and they'd say, I'm sorry, we can't have any change. <laughs> Remember that? And I'd be like, yeah, but, uh, but I, have, I, I gave you $2. And they'd say, yeah, but it's only a, it's a, it's a, it's a $1.86, and we don't have any change. I said, well, then give me a dollar back, and you can give me the food anyway, because the truth is, it's not my fault you don't have change. You got a credit card? I don't use my credit card for $1.86. Man, the world needs change. <laughs> And that's just one thing on my list. <laughs> but I mean, how to change the world? I believe in this passage, verse 16, we find a recipe of how to change the world. And I was inspired, as I said this week, as I watched a people that came together in prayer and said, listen, we care about the world. We want something to change in our world. Amen. And I thought, wow, we are we're doing better than I thought. We just may be able to do it. We always talk about how God's able to do it, but wait a second. He uses instruments. He uses people. And I saw people that gathered today over the last 60 hours and said, we want God to use us. We want to change the world. And I believe that we have a recipe here. I don't have a lot for you today, but... I want to look at just a few moments, this verse 16, and I want to note the command, first of all. Right off the bat, he says, let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine. And we think, well, what light? I mean, my, my uh, uh, grandkids, they like to walk around the church at the end of the service along with some of the other kids. And then the other day, we, 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 we didn't have lights on in the building, and so they needed a flashlight. And so I just happen to have these little tiny flashlights in my drawer, and I gave them to them. Now they come to me all the time and say, Grandpa, you know, the flashlight, the best they can, they say flashlight. 
And I'm like, oh, man, they want a flashlight. You know, they want flashlight. They want some light, right? They want to shine that light. They get a kick out of going into the darkest places and recesses of the building and, and, and seeing all the cobwebs and everything else and, and shining that little light through there and finding a little path to travel. And that's how one of my grandkids walks. <laughs> Let your light so shine. We know there's a dark world, so what light are we talking about? We're not talking about a flashlight that lights a simple pathway in the midst of the darkness, not in that literal sense, but wait a second, we're talking about a literal light, but not maybe in a building, but in the world. So what is that light? What are we talking about? Turn to John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we're going to hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ while he was on this earth. Notice what he says. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He says, I'm the light of the world. Man, I'll tell you what, it would have been a wonderful thing, wouldn't it, in those days to be able to live back when Jesus did, to be able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of a dark and dying world, to follow him and know that every step is a safe step, that every step is a secure step, that every step is leading to a successful life. Man, it'd be wonderful because he's lighting the path, he's lighting the way, just follow in his steps and it'll light the way. What a wonderful truth that is and what a wonderful blessing that would have been. He said, I am the light of the world. And then when he was here, he lit it up. Everywhere he went, people saw his face. And everywhere he went, they saw what he did. And they said, man, there's something different. There's something unusual. There's something special about Jesus. Even his enemies couldn't deny that. Look at John chapter 9, however, just a chapter later in verse 5. Chapter 9, verse 5. Notice he says this time, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Huh? Wow. Wait a second. He just got finished saying in chapter 8 that I am the light of the world. And that is a truth. However, he qualifies that truth and he expands on that truth by saying, as long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. So wait a second. So if Jesus isn't in the world then he's not the light of the world. Is that what it's saying? Wait a second. While he was in the world, while he was walking the dusty trails of Galilee, while he was literally living as a man, God-man on this earth, he was the light of the world. But the Bible says, he makes it clear, that when, he, when if he's in the world, he's the light of the world. If he's not in the world, then he's not. Jesus isn't the light of the world. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's kind of a revelation. That's kind of a, an amazing thought. Wait a second. If Jesus is not in the world, then he's not the light of the world. Then where in the world is the light? There's no hope. Because I thought that without Jesus and without God, there is no hope. We read about that in Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1.
trying to find the verse I'm looking for. It's not in one. It's in two, I believe. Yeah. Thanks, Satan. <laughs> that wasn't the Holy Spirit talking. <laughs> Jesus is long-suffering, so I know that wasn't the Lord speaking to me. Someone says, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. Oh, well, we didn't need the devil here anyway. <laughs> I don't know who said it, so if the shoe fits, wear it. No, nonetheless, moving on. I think it was Brother Kevin, but I'm not going to go there. What verse am I looking for? Without God in the world. Verse, uh, oh, man, there it is, verse 12. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 12. Whew. I got to admit, though, that... Uh, little phrase motivated me. Verse 12, that at that time, verse chapter 2, verse 12 of Ephesians, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, watch this, having no hope, and without God in the world. Hey, listen, if Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and he is God, and he's not here, and he, he's no longer the light, then we have no hope. There's no light then. He's not here. That's kind of scary. But wait a second. Do you know that Jesus goes on to say something else, though? Do you know what Jesus ultimately says to us? He says, ye are the light of the world. What? Wait a second. Ye are the light of the world. That's crazy. That's, that's beyond comprehension. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? Ye are the light of the world. Did you see that in Matthew? We talked about it. We read it already in chapter 5. He says, ye are the light of the world. Wait a second. Jesus isn't in the world anymore, but we are. Therefore, we must be the light. How in the world is that possible? I mean, how is it, how is it that someone like me, a sinner, can shed light in a dark and dying world. How is it that me walking in this flesh can show light? That's impossible. It's not going to happen. I mean, I'm no different than anyone else in this flesh. Are you? No. But he says, we're the light. Ye are the light. Now, how's that made possible? Turn to John chapter 14, before Jesus walked off this earth, left this earth. Notice what he says in John chapter 14, verse 16. I will pray the Father. Remember, he's preparing to leave. He already told the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again unto you that I may receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And now just a few verses later, he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. I do? Oh, yes. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 
Man, he promises something so important to us today. He says, listen, although I may not be here in person, although I may not be here in the flesh, I'm going to send another comforter, and that other comforter is the Holy Spirit of God, but that Holy Spirit of God is really me in you. So Christ may not be on earth physically, but he lives in you and he lives in me, he says. That's the promise. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we recognize that this promise is realized when he says, what know ye not? The apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? So not only did Christ promise the presence of the Holy Spirit, he said he'll be a seal to us. We saw that in scripture in Ephesians. We recognize here that he's going to dwell within us permanently, take up residency. And we find in Corinthians that Paul the apostle says, guess what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. He doesn't need to dwell in a tabernacle anymore. You are the tabernacle. He doesn't need a house built for him on earth. You are the house. He says, guess what? He lives in you. And Jesus said, I will come to you. So although he may not be here physically, we can't wrap our loving arms around the Lord Jesus Christ, but can I tell you, he's in you, therefore he's here. He says, let your light so shine. What light? Him in us. It's Him, His presence, it's Him inside us that's to shine. Let your light so shine before men. I was talking to the singles a little bit ago and a thought hit me. How is it that we let the light out then? If Christ is in us and the light is there, how do we let the light out? Because we have this tabernacle, right? Boy, think about this building right now. Here's my voice going over the sound system, but there are walls that knock it down. There's doors that keep it from traveling any further. The fact is, remember in our tent meetings years ago up there in Lakemore, man, the voice of the preacher would be just booming out of those speakers and across that whole uh, um, uh, shopping area. And everybody that came to Lakemore Plaza heard the truth of the gospel. There were no walls on that tabernacle. Do you know what has to happen then? Because you have a house. You have a tabernacle. Christ lives in you and he lives in me. What has to happen? We have to open the door to let it out, let him out. Every time I turn around, I see that Christ is speaking again. He's opening his mouth as we read in one of the other passages. He's opening a door so that people can see the light. He's in you. You've got to open up and let the world see him in you. You've got to allow him to shine forth from you, and so do I. It's a conscious decision. Oh God, let me shine in the world. Stop praying and do it. He's already in you. We don't need to pray to be a light. We're already a light. We've already, we've already read the scriptures. We know the kind of steps we need to take to live righteously and holy in this world. We understand we've already been commanded to share the gospel and to preach to the world the truth of the, the word of God. My friend, let me ask you, how many times does God have to tell us before we're obedient? Can I tell you I was so encouraged to watch people come to the house of God and say, we believe God saves and we believe God's able and we want God to do something great. Can I tell you I was inspired by that? But can I tell you it'll never 
go anywhere if it stays here. Man, that's encouraging what transpired. But we got to let the light shine now because I saw the light because I was in here with you. But the world needs to see that light. We see the command, let your light so shine before men. But then notice the reason for it. That they may see your good works. That's the first thing. That they may see your good works. And again, what we're going to find is that we're commanded to let our shine. And the reason is twofold here. The first one is that they may see your good works. See, the believer's life is marked not only by good intentions, but by good works. Well, I really wanted to do the right thing. I mean, I'm glad you want to do the right thing. But wanting to do the right thing and doing the right thing are two different things. But I have good intentions, preacher. I want to read my Bible and pray. Uh, yeah, but you got to have the intention of doing so. You, you, you have to... It's not enough to have good intentions. you got to do it. They say hell is paved with good intentions. Well, I was going to get saved, but it just never happened. I, I planned on trusting the Lord, but, well, I got tied up in business and work and my life. I, I wanted to be a Christian and live like the Lord, but uh, the flesh was so powerful and I just yielded to temptation. And all good intentions, unfortunately good intentions, paved the way to hell. And unfortunately they paved the way to a judgment seat where there's regret. That they may see your good works. See, when they see our light, the thing about it is they're drawn to us. Every, every summer, I dread, I, I dread this, I dread opening my front door at night in order to let people out of my house. Now, people don't usually come to my house when it's dark. So it's usually when they're leaving. And so they're leaving, and I'm like, oh, and then I got to flip that little light on. You know, you know how they have that light outside on your porch or something? And as soon as you open the light, I mean, it's like the insect kingdom just goes, you know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, right? And they're just buzzing all around. You see all these little, and I'm like, oh, please, 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 please get out fast. Please, please, please get out fast. And sure enough, people are leaving and they're like, open the door and they stand the door. And so, you know, it's real quick before I leave, and I'm like, shut the door, come on. I mean, you know what's going to happen, right? You know those critters are going to make their way in. You know those things are going to fly right on in, and there they are flying around your ceiling fan. And then the wife's like, you're going to kill that? And I'm thinking, man. But then on the other hand, I'm thinking, sure, at night, they're going to be eating me up, man. They'll be carrying me off. I mean, I just know it. I'm going to be laying there. My foot's going to get outside the cover. And sure enough, I'm going to wake up with a bunch of welts all over me. I hate that time of year. I hate that part of summer. I love summer, but I don't like the bugs. I was just talking to Brother Kavanaugh, who, of course, was on vacation in Hawaii. Assistant pastors can afford that. Figure Brother Josh will be going next. (laughs) 
He said they could leave their windows open and their doors open and no bugs, no bugs at all. I said paradise. <laughs> paradise. See, the world is lost and they're in darkness. And can I tell you, the moment that the light begins to shine, they are drawn to it. Just, and I, I'm not trying to say that the lost people are bugs. I'm not saying that. But in illustration and in likeness, they are drawn to light. And there in the light, they observe our good works. They see what we're doing and they recognize it's unusual, it's so different, it's so, so, it, it's just not normal to love like that. It's not normal to have compassion for others. It's not normal to love the things of God. And they are drawn to it. Whether they agree or not, they're drawn. See, the believer, believer's life is light in a dark world, or ought to be. We aren't living our lives in secret or in the dark, but we live our lives in the open before all. I want the world to notice our lives. I want it to notice our marriages, our homes, and our families. And I think every believer needs to be in a place where there's a part of you that says, you know what, I'm going to abide by the Word of God. I'm going to live my life according to Scripture. I'm going to be that kind of man or woman I ought to be, the kind of husband or wife I should be. I want to be the parent I'm supposed to be. I want to obey the Word of God, apply its principles and truths, and follow Christ. And in doing so, I want the world to see there's something different about me. I want my light to shine. And if you'll do that, it will shine. Being drawn to that light and seeing and experiencing the difference God alone makes in our lives brought us to Him. Somebody was a blessing to you. Somebody encouraged you. And the fact is, is that the light of Christ in and through their life. Listen, I, I, I can't see Jesus today. I don't see him. If you say you see him, let me know. We'll take care of that. They have rubber rooms for that. I mean, literally seeing Jesus. I remember somebody said, this guy saw a 900-foot Jesus. I thought, really? I, I'd be happy seeing just a 9-foot Jesus. 900 foot? I mean, nobody, you don't see Jesus that way today. That's not how he shows himself or reveals himself today. He's the light of the world while he's in it. He's not in it, so I can't see him, but I do see him through and in others. I should see Jesus in you, and you should see Jesus in me. And as we live our lives according to the word of God, and as we uh, align ourselves with his truths, he is let out. So that people can see him. Man, people are drawn to that light. They're drawn to those differences. But notice something. Not only that they may see your good works. And that's not the only reason to let your light shine. But notice this. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now certainly, by letting our light shine, we glorify God, right? 
We understand that. But the passage isn't emphasizing that. That's not what it's really getting at. Again, look at the verse, verse 16. He says in the passage, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and they may. That's what really belongs there. They may glorify your Father which is in heaven. When you and I are obedient to let our light so shine, a couple of things are true in our life. I mean, it's true, first of all. We please God, thus fulfilling our God-ordained purpose. That's, that's important, okay? Don't misunderstand me. You fulfill your God-ordained purpose when you let your light shine, because that pleases the Lord. And according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we recognize that to be the case when he says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God is pleased when we let our light shine. Absolutely. We honor God by fulfilling our God-ordained duty when we let our light shine. That's called, we're obeying God now. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Man, we're fulfilling our God-ordained duty when we let our light shine because that's what God calls us to do and He tells us to do. So let your light shine before men. But when you and I are obedient to let our light so shine, we encourage and we inspire others to glorify God who is worthy of all praise. That's really what he's trying to get at. He's saying, listen, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works, yes, and glorify God, which is in heaven. God wants all to glorify him. And you know what? He's worthy of that. And it's evidenced in Luke chapter 19 as he writes about the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem prior to his rejection and crucifixion. Listen to what he says in chapter 19, verse 37. And when he was come nigh, remember, triumphal entry. He's coming into Jerusalem to claim his throne, right? Oh, wait a second now. We know that they ultimately reject him. We know they'll cry crucify him. We know that Pontius Pilate will wipe his hands clean. We know that he'll receive that horrible cross to carry up Golgotha's hill. We know that he'll be placed on that cross, the nails in his hands hands and his feet, but the triumphal entry, what an amazing time that was, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had, they had seen, saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And I don't know about you, but what I guess he's saying is this. If you and I won't praise him, his creation will. Even the rocks. I don't know about you, but there ain't a whole lot that you want to do with rocks. Remember years ago in the 70s, they had pet rocks. Walk around, people see people with a pet rock on a, a leash. Come on, boy, come on, come on, sit, sit, stay. I'm like, what in the world's going on? You talk about imaginations. Sadly, those were 35 and 40-year-olds. <clears throat> 
But he says the stones would cry out, immediately cry out, if they didn't. Man, I want to encourage you to continue to share your love for the Lord, to share your passion for the work, to share your compassion for the lost. I saw evidence of it here this past week. I saw it firsthand that scores of people made their way here for the purpose of praying and begging God to change the world. The very characteristics and qualities that were demonstrated by your effort are the exact same characteristics and qualities that the world must see. And if they see that, they'll see the light. Christ in you. And they'll be drawn to that light. And ultimately, the Bible says, they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Isn't that what we really want? Because that's what God deserves. Again, what did we talk about the other day? It's not just that we want to see people saved so we can grow the church. It's not that we want to just see them saved for another notch in our Christian spiritual belt. No, the reason we want people saved is because there is a God in heaven who created all men and all women and all things and deserves the honor and the glory of all His creation. That's why our husbands and wives need saved. That's why our children need saved because they owe God everything and He deserves their praise. Go out to win a soul because I want God to be glorified. You go out to win a soul, you want God to be glorified. But in doing so, can I tell you, the world will be changed. Again, changing the world demands light. It demands the light in us. His light in us. And when our light, Jesus in us, shines, it's going to draw those in darkness. And seeing the love, the passion, and compassion of the child of God in action is going to convince them of the reality of God. They're going to say, there's got to be a God because I'm just looking at their love and I'm, I'm watching how, how they, they, they just are so enamored by Christ. They're so saturated with His holiness. I, I can't believe what's going on in their life. They're so unusual. They're so different. And they're going to say, there's got to be a God. It's got to be a God. How could they love the Lord like that if he wasn't real? How could they have a passion for his work if it wasn't real? How could they have love for people that don't love them in return if he wasn't real? It'll convince them of the reality of God. They see our love, our passion, and our compassion. It'll convince them of their need of the Savior. It'll change them for the glory of God. I believe the temptation for the believer is to enjoy the blessings of God without sharing them. I think we're all kind of bent that way. To enjoy the blessings of God without sharing them. And I don't think it's that we don't want souls saved. I don't think it's that we don't want others to know the life-changing work of God that can take place in a life. But I think sometimes we may not be convinced that our light shines bright enough to make a difference. Again, it's not that we don't want those things. We really do. I think our intentions are good. But sometimes we're not convinced that our light shines bright enough to make a difference. We may be afraid that someone else would be better suited to wake them to this truth. Somebody else, I'm sure, would be better at it than me. 
I'm sure somebody else is a better mother, a better father, a better soul winner, a better this, a better that, and they're probably more suited for that. That's fine. My light's not shining that much anyway. Someone else is much better suited for this. But remember, it's not them. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Christ in them. And it's Christ in you that needs to be the light that they see. Not you, but Him in you. Hold on. Again, I don't think that anyone in the room and, and maybe even that hearing my voice today would say, oh, I don't want to see people saved. I, I don't want to see the world changed. I don't want to. No, I don't believe that at all. But we may not want to live with the pressure of living in a glass house. I don't want people looking at my life. I don't want people seeing me as an example. I don't want people keeping their eyes on me or pointing the binoculars on me and my family. Man, just leave me to stand in the shadow. I don't want to be out front. I don't want to be that light. I just would rather just kind of live my life in the shadows. I understand that. I do. I'm not scolding you at all. Matter of fact, I get it completely. I get it. But the world's never going to be changed by Christians who are hiding in the shadows. Never going to be changed by light that doesn't get out of the old house, out of the tabernacle. The light's got to shine. While Jesus was on the earth, he was the light of the world, but he's not here anymore. Who is the light? You are. If the world's going to be changed, you simply need to shine. I need to shine. How do we shine? By embracing his word, by following his commands, by being the person he wants us to be, by being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, like he defines in the word of God. Listen, it's not complicated. It's not difficult to know what we need to do. Listen, you know there's sin in your life possibly. Confess it, forsake it, repent of it. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to live a clean life, a pure life. He wants us to do our best to do so at least. He wants us to be unique and different. He wants us to be a peculiar people. We've read that. We've studied it. We've heard it a number of times. We know that God wants our light to shine, but sometimes we're a little bit hesitant and concerned about it because we're afraid we might even fail. Guess what? You just might. But I do believe at the judgment seat of Christ, he'll have much more favor on me if I give it a shot than if I, try, if I don't try at all. I mean, when you think about those fellows that were received the talents, it was the only the ones that buried the talent that did nothing with it or attempted to do anything that he was not happy with. Can I tell you that he's given you some wonderful tools? They're found in Christ, in his word, in the house of God, and the Holy Spirit of God lives and dwells in you, Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, a man was walking in the east end of the city of Glasgow. Glasgow. Said it wrong. It's only one S. Glasgow. The streets were so narrow. The houses were so high that very little direct sunlight ever really reached certain houses on the one side of the street. It rarely did it, ever. The fella, he uh, noticed this barefooted, kind of raggedy-looking boy trying to reflect the sunlight with a, a small piece of a mirror. And he was pointing that mirror, and he kept hitting that building over there, and he kept, look, what, what, what in the world is that boy doing, the man thought. So out of curiosity, he went up to the fellow, and he said, hey, what are you trying to do? 
He said, you see that window up there, mister? Yeah, I see it. My little brother, he had an accident about two years ago. And you know what? He, he, he lays in bed all day, every day. He can't get outside like I do. And he goes, I'm, we're on the wrong side of the street. And he never gets to see the sun. And so I'm always trying to catch the light just in a way where I can get that sunshine into his room, get that light into his room so he can see the sunlight. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and to give it light into all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We can change the world. We can change the world because He lives in us. We just need to shine the light in the dark places because so many of them will never come to this place. They'll never sit in a pew here. They'll never go to a preaching meeting. We got to take the light to them. We got to get it to them. We kick off our campaign starting Tuesday night. Our campaign really began today, right now. But Tuesday night, we start reaching out and trying to shine the light into those dark crevices and corners of the world. Trying to help people see the light because if they see the light, they'll be drawn to it. And then they too can come to Christ and glorify the Father. I would encourage you to let your light so shine. He's living in you, now let him out. Let him shine. Today, maybe you don't know for sure heaven's your home. You've never received and accepted Christ as your Savior. You believe he died on a cross. You believe that he even rose again. You, you may even have been here and celebrated the resurrection with us, but you aren't confident that heaven's your home one day. I mean, you may even believe somehow that, well, you know, I, I believe that you have to trust the Lord, but I'm also convinced you can lose it because if I don't do my part, I'll never get to heaven. My friend, if you somehow got saved thinking you had a part in it, you aren't saved. Your salvation is only Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hey, listen, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Can I tell you, once you receive Christ, you are saved eternally. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Once you get truly born again, once you've received and accepted Christ, listen, you don't have to be worried about losing it because it's everlasting. But if you've never trusted him and received him today, do not walk out this door without him. The light is shining today. Won't you be drawn to him? Why are you here? Why are you listening? I'll tell you why. The light is drawing you. Now, the key is, is will you respond to the light, Jesus Christ? 
He may not be on earth, but he's in us, and he's in his word as we begin to proclaim and preach the truth. The spirit of God works and moves, Christ in us. Can I tell you, you need him. And that's who you need today. Will you come to him? Will you ask his forgiveness for your sin? Will you acknowledge the fact that he's the only way? That you want your sin forgiven and you want to be part of his family? He will gladly do that for you today. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out, he said. I don't care how wretched you've been. I don't care how wicked you are. I don't care where, where you've been in life. I want you to know if you'll come to him, he'll receive you unto himself. Father, we thank you now for this time together. We do ask, Lord, for your leadership. May your Holy Spirit go forth, Father, with great unction and power, convicting men and women of sin. And may he go forth showing us at the air of our way that we might, Father, be in a position, Lord, to let our light shine. Or we're going to be hitting doors. We're going to be going out into our community. And Lord, honestly, that's intimidating for me. I'm not comfortable with those things. But what I am assured of is that I'm not alone. You'll be with me. And that, Lord, the world, the only way they're going to ever be saved, the only way we're going to change the world for your glory is by letting the light shine. And, Lord, I can't do that while I'm stuck in an office. I need to let the light out. Father, that's true with all of us. Help us. Lord, today there might be somebody that's lost. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, preacher. Let me ask you, are you willing to settle your salvation today? Would you like to know for sure heaven's your home? Would you? You say, I would. Why don't you just stand up where you're at and come on down. Stand up where you're at and come on down. See one of these men right here. Let them help you. Take a Bible and show you simple truths. Come on, stand up right where you're at. You say, it's not very easy to do that. I know, I'm not making it easy. This is the Lord speaking to you. I'm just a, a voice, a mouthpiece. But Holy Spirit of God speaking to you, you know it. Don't, don't wait there. Don't sit there. Get up and come on down and deal with God today. See his precious promises. Receive and accept him as your Savior today if that's indeed what you know you should do. Your child of God, what are you going to do with him? You're going to let him out? You're going to open a door? You're going to shine? Father, bless us now in this time of invitation. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed.